All right. So uh, I'm going to share with you tonight a little bit, and then and then at the end of this, we're we're going to have a fire tunnel, and uh, and I asked I asked uh, many of our drummers. You see some bunch of drums around because they're going to be part of this too. You're going to be walking through, rocking in the middle of uh, some drummers as well. Um, not just because it's a New Year's kind of thing to do, which it is. It's just a good New Year's kind of thing to do. But I really felt. As I was preparing for this message, there was a really specific reason that God wanted us to be encouraged tonight in a certain way, which I will get back to as we go through that tunnel. But tonight, I want to talk about change. Look, I even saw some of, I even saw some of the, uh, I saw you. Change is good. Change is, yeah, yay. Change is good. You know, um. Lately, um, I've been, I was introduced not too long ago to a, um, it's not a personality, what would you call it? I don't know. Anyway, it's called the Enneagram. Any of you heard of that? Very, very fascinating, but it's a, it's a personality test of sorts, and there's nine different personalities. But one of the things that you'll read about as you're looking at this is how much you do or don't like change depending on your personality. Some people go, yay, change. Others go, no. But I thought this was funny as I was looking at this. I found it on the internet that life is like underwear. So change is good. (laughs) Some of you are going, (laughs) T-M-I. Um, one of the one of the stupidest things when you don't ever hear me use that word, but really this is stupid. When when we were in junior high, maybe high school too, but junior high, I remember you know writing in the yearbooks at the end, and everybody would always say, you know, you're you're awesome. Don't ever change. Wouldn't that be terrible if we never changed? <laughs> oh my goodness! You do not know want to know what I was like in junior high, really. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus, that I changed. Um, (laughs) That I didn't listen to those people (laughs) that wrote in my yearbook. Revelation 21.5, Jesus, who was seated on the throne, said, I am making everything new. All right, so this is coming from Jesus. It's coming from heaven. There's this thing God likes. He likes new. He likes new. And um, so many of us like what we know. We like to stay in what we know. And especially because we're trying to figure things out. And when we feel like we figured something out, we're like, please don't change this thing. I finally got it, you know. But um, we're, we're actually in the midst of um, what I would call a paradigm shift in the church. Um, but let me just first define paradigm shift. It's a time when the the usual and the accepted way of doing or thinking about something changes completely. So another, uh, another visual for that. This would be a paradigm shift for this, for this chick who, I guess, does a chick have to be a she? No, okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, when this little one... <laughs> was just in a world where everything was really good and, you know, safe and sound and comfortable. And all of a sudden, whoa, you know, change is not always initially fun. It can be. It can be exciting a little bit, but it can be really scary. Because, once again, we get used to certain ways of things. And um, 
But how many of you know that this little bird has got a lot of different things to look forward to that it never would have experienced inside of a shell, right? Uh, just a week or, week or so ago, Doug Addison, this was one of his daily words. Doug's a good friend of ours and a friend of the house. But he said, it's a time of crossing over into a new season, so don't look back. How many of you would say you're ready for a new season in life? Okay, that's about two-thirds of you, okay? The others of you aren't sure yet. You're thinking, you're, you're talking me into change here. I don't think I'm liking this. Um, <laughs> good call, good laugh. Um, one, of, one of the things I really do love about New Year's is that, is that it does give us that perspective of, okay, we're flipping the calendar. Uh, something new is coming. But in reality, God talks about the, the grace and the mercy that's available every single day is new. There's re- but there's reasons for, even for seasons in life. And I'm talking about actual seasons, winter, spring, summer, and fall. There's reasons why, you know, by the end of summer, we're like, it's too hot. We need some cool weather. You know, by the end of winter, we're like, no more rain, please. Uh, we're ready for something warmer. There's reasons for seasons like that. He knows we need change. But also the same thing is true for our lives. And um, so this is from, I want to, I'm going to talk about change, about uh, change a little bit about new things. And then I'm going to specifically get back to the church in a minute. Oops. Yeah, that's right. So in Isaiah 43... Verses 18 and 19, this is in the voice. The eternal one says, don't revel only in the past or spend all your time recounting the victories of days gone by. Watch closely. I am preparing something new. It's happening now, even as I speak, and you're about to see it. It's happening now, but you're about to see it. I am preparing a way through the desert. Waters will flow where there had been none. So the Lord's not saying that there's no good time to look at the past. Actually, we're supposed to remember his faithfulness, his goodness. There's a history we have with God. We're supposed to remember certain things, right? Because that actually helps us to trust him. We've talked about trust a bunch. and, And trust is built when we see his faithfulness over and over again. So we're supposed to. But he's saying, don't, don't just do that. Don't, don't just look in the past. Because, yeah, I was really faithful. I did amazing things in your lives. But guess what? There's something more. There's something new. I'm always, I'm always doing something even better. Because I am a good, good father. What he is doing and, and what so many people are, are sensing some of the language that you hear a lot when you hear prophetic words from people is, you know, God is about to do this. We're entering into a season that is that. Those are, are really good words. I use those words myself. But what God is saying is, I'm already doing it. This is already happening. The things I told you I would do, I'm already doing it. Remember when Jesus talks about the kingdom, he talks about, um, he talks about it like a, a seed that's planted. And, and later on, it becomes this big tree. And he says, it's also like yeast that goes through the dough. And somehow it makes its way all the way through. But we don't see how it's happening. And this is what's going on often in our lives. Even, even some of you that are saying, gosh, I feel like I'm struggling. I feel like I'm not breaking through. The things that he said he would do, I'm not seeing it. And God says, oh, trust me. It's happening now. And you will see some of the things that are already happening, even if you don't right now. 
When did that little seed become a tree? I don't know. But at some point, you start looking back. If you will look back at your life, even a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, for some of you, depending on how long you've been saved, look back. If you look, as you start to look back, you go, wow, I have changed. This is, he is doing what he said he would. But in the day-to-day, it doesn't always feel that way. Right? But he's doing something new. Now, a paradigm shift, like I said, is that everything was done a certain way, and suddenly it shifts. One of the biggest paradigm shifts there was, of course, is when Jesus came to the earth. And one of the things he said before he left is, I give you a new command. There's a brand new command. To love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. In the same way that I love you, I want you to love. This was a paradigm shift. You have to understand this because before this, this is, think about Jesus' followers. They were saying, you know, Jesus, should we call down fire and, you know, just burn the heck out of that city or those people because they don't understand who you are? He's like, you don't even know what spirit you're of. We're doing things differently, kids. This is what we're doing. We're, we're, we're going to live in love. We're going to forgive people. We're going we're gonna to see the best in people. So this was a huge, huge paradigm shift. Another huge paradigm shift. I'm just giving you examples of what a paradigm shift looks like in the kingdom. Here's another huge shift, which is every one of your lives. The moment you gave yourself to Jesus, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Huge paradigm shift happened the moment you said yes to Jesus. His spirit entered you. Your old nature was booted out. Whether you know it or not, whether you saw the full fruit of it, you're still seeing more and more fruit of that, right? But God says, yeah, but it already happened. This is the way it works. It already happened, and you're seeing it more and more and more. You're seeing it unfold, but it already happened. That's a paradigm shift. That's a big paradigm shift. So I want to talk about the paradigm shift in the church. Now, let me be really specific with you. I'm not talking about Blazing Fire Church. I mentioned earlier, there is only one church, right? So there's a capital C there, meaning the church. There is a shift going on in the church. Now, some, if you go to my original definition of paradigm shift, you might, you might not call this a paradigm shift, if, it, if it's completely opposite to the way that we've been doing things, because we're actually going back to what the church was always supposed to be. And there have been seasons, especially early on after Jesus was here in the book of Acts and places like that, where we saw the church much more as the Lord intended it. But through history, and I'm not going to get into all the details tonight. In fact, I, I have a friend who said he would come soon, just contacted him. His name is Greg Seamus. Some of you might know him. He's the pastor of Convergence House of Prayer in Fremont. And he has this amazing message, which he's going to come soon, either this month or next, to release to us about who we are as the church, the ecclesia, which is the assembled ones. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But in his, as he comes and shares, he's going to share a little bit more history of how it is especially from about three, 400 A.D. on, we started getting really far away from what God had intended. And we're still seeing the bad fruit from that today. I'm not saying the church is bad. Don't hear me. Don't hear that at all. In fact, you know, Jesus loves the church. We're the bride. So this isn't about that we're, you know, shame on you. You're bad people. No, 
Now we just, just because of history and because of what, what was passed along generation to generation for a very long time, we kind of have some of the wrong ideas of what, of what church really is. But because God so loves the world and he so loves his church and he so loves the, the people in this world that we are supposed to impact and supposed to be light to, he is bringing us back to the truth. But it's going to feel very strange. We're seeing some of it happening already, but I'm seeing a lot more changes coming. So this isn't going to be like a paradigm shift like a month from now. Everything's going to change in all the church around the world. No, it's this paradigm shift has been in, coming into play for quite some time, and it's going to continue for a long time. But God is bringing things back to, back to where it's supposed to be. Let me explain it a little bit, okay? So I, I did it this way. Um, I'm going to just share kind of each time what, what's kind of the way church has been and the way we've, a lot of us have known it and, and what God is bringing it back to. So the church um, in the old way is it's a place or a service. When you say, I go to church, what do you mean? That's how most of us have, have learned to use that word. And um, that actually, that word didn't even exist that way until like 400 AD. Do you know that? Like the word church, the way we use it today, didn't even exist in the time of Jesus. If you, if you had said then, yeah, I'm going to go to church, they would look at you and say, what, what are you talking? I don't get it. What language are you speaking? Because we, we, you know, we are the church. And that's, here you go. The, the new way is, the way that he's bringing it back is that the church is people. That's it. The church is people. It's not a place. It's not a service. Those are, there's nothing wrong with having a place. There's nothing wrong with having a service. But that's not actually who we are. We're living, breathing Jesus. We just are. This is, this, we are what changes the earth. Not a building, not a service. It's us. It's Christ in us, right? So he's bringing us back to the truth. Let me give you a couple other, other examples. Resources are used primarily to get people to come to a weekly service. Now, this is, this, again, because we've done this for so long, it, this doesn't even seem like, well, yeah, I guess that's kind of right. But that was never the intention for the church, the people. was never, the intention was never to get people to come to a service. So what, was, what is the intention? What's God bringing us back to? Resources are used primarily to expand God's kingdom through the people. Okay? Here's, I'm going somewhere with this. Please just hang with me, all right? Uh, the church is a business. We gauge our success on numbers. Now, being a pastor for 30 years, um, I can tell you that this is, this is absolutely where most pastors would see their success. Um, even, even Suzanne's uh, family, like whenever we would have family gatherings, you know, all through the years, Brent, how's the church? That'd be the one question they asked me. How's the church? I know what they're asking. They're not asking how you all are doing. They're asking how many people are sitting here on a Saturday night. It's in our culture. It's in, it's in the mindset. It's so much in the mindset. And, and this is, again, because of generations of this. It's just the way that, that we think. It's the way that pastors think. And it's really, it's, it's really hard to, you know, to strip that off. And instead, what most pastors do is they feel, they feel better when attendance is up. They feel worse when attendance is down. 
and, and not only success on those numbers, but also on financial numbers. Um, which, you know, it's, it's not fun to say these things, but I'm saying the only way that we're actually going to change, I'm learning from my own life, is if I'm not okay with the way things are. There actually has to be a reality check to say, oh, you know, I, I like who I am, but there's some things that I've agreed with in some ways that some things that kind of got passed along to me from other unhealthy people maybe growing up that I, that I somehow was thought was me, but it's really not me. But if I don't really take a look at that and if I'm not willing to um, let God examine some things with me and want change, then I'm just going to be okay with the way it is. And let me tell you, a lot of us in life have learned to kind of just function and kind of fake it. And I'm telling you, God has something way better in store for us if we will actually choose not to just function and fake it. But if we really want to find out who our true selves are and agree with him, I'm sorry, I'm switching metaphors here back to us personally because we are, we are the church, right? But I'm also saying in the what, we call, what we've called the church, the the corporation <laughs> called the church. We've, we've gotten really unhealthy for so long that we don't even know it. Yeah. But God is, God is getting our attention in many circles. Many people who are listening and wanting change, wanting to go back to the Lord's way of doing things, are starting to realize we've gotten pretty far away from what he intended. So what did he intend? The church is an assembly, not a business. We're an assembly of people with authority. And so success is obedience. Not obedience as in, um, did we check off the list? Did we do it all right? Oh, good, God loves me more. I'm successful. No, no, no. But success is is simply us being so in love with him that we do what he says because that's what lovers do. We're doing life together. But it's an assembly. The church is an assembly. That's actually what that word, when Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against, against it. That word church is ecclesia. And it does not mean a building and it does not mean a service. It means an assembly. Assembly of people who carry his authority to usher, usher heaven to earth. This is who we are. All right. Here's another one. Um, a, the, the old way is a pastoral focus. This is, we kind of got here over decades, over centuries, a pastoral focus that encourages people to look to the pastors. In other words, we've built a business model where, I, I'm just calling this for what it is, okay? We build a business model where if we can get you to need the few of us enough, then you'll keep paying us for our services. I know that sounds really gross. I'm just trying to be really, really clear about this. And to say this is not, was never the intention of the church. Never. Our pastors needed. Yes, they're part of the fivefold. Pastors are needed. Pastors are ones who actually shepherd to go around and actually see things, you know, and, and care for people. Yes, absolutely. But what God had always intended is, is an apostolic model. Let me explain that. An apostolic model that, um, that encourages people to look to Jesus. <laughs> This was always the intention. The fivefold, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, those are all designed to build up the church, all of us, to be more and more like Jesus. But since none of us carry all of him, we need a bunch of us to get a bigger, fuller picture of him and to get us all going to be doing what we're supposed to be doing, which is being the light, 
having the authority from Jesus. Each one of you has authority from Jesus himself to represent him everywhere you go, including in your business, in your school, everywhere you go. This is what we're alive for. And so church is uh, apostolic is the apostolic is is again bringing a culture of heaven here to the earth. That's what the apostolic does. And it empowers people. That's what the apostolic does. It empowers, it tells you, you can do it, you're empowered. That's what, that's what, that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what this is, was supposed to be about, always. Amen. Hey, thank you for that amen. More of those. Oh. One more. Um, we, here's the old way is that we gather to consume so that we can make it through another week. You know, we can barely make it, but, but if I can just consume enough food right in this hour or two, I'll be okay. I think I can make it. We do need to be encouraged. We need what Bill was just praying for you who are having a really hard time. Do you want prayer? Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I'm not trying to put that down. We need encouragement. We need prayer. But let me tell you really more of what it's supposed to look like. We gather to remember who God says we are and to be empowered to represent him again in the coming week. Are gatherings important? Yes. 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 And the author of Hebrews says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. One of the things that's happened, I'm just going to say it again. I'm just going to be super honest tonight. Because so many people have seen kind of the the place that we've made, what we've made church through the, through the years, through the decades, through the centuries, and they're getting tired of that old thing that really is not what the Lord intended. Therefore, they're kind of giving up on it, and they're saying, Jesus, I love, but this church thing, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Because what we've made church is, is, you know, one person, mostly, with a microphone, and then a bunch of people just sitting, and hopefully you've got enough encouragement and you can make it for a week. And so a lot of those people, and, and some of you have been those people who have just said, I am done. I'm done with the politics. I'm done with the pain. Uh, I just, I just, this is just me and Jesus. However, you also know after a while, you and Jesus alone doesn't do it because that was never the plan. <laughs> he starts telling you, yeah, I know that was hard, but you need to, it's really about loving people too. So you're going to have to get back in there and do that. And, you're gonna, and you need the encouragement. And you need to encourage others. It's not just what you need. It's not just the consumer what you need. You do have needs. There's nothing wrong with saying, I have needs. I have needs, by the way. Just so you know, I have needs. No, that's not a bad thing. We were made, when we were babies, we came into this world with a lot of needs. And if somebody didn't fill those needs, we would have been in big trouble, right? Right? Exactly. <laughs> However... <laughs> However, I want to say that you're also, if we're understanding that this is an assembly of people who together are bringing the fullness of Jesus, then we need each other. And what you have, other people need. So you're coming also for what, what can I impart? Who can I encourage? And then when you leave here, you keep doing that. This is not about just a, a, one, you know, a couple hours in a week. I think, let's see, I think I might have one more. I do. Here's a, here's a line from, from the old model of church. A line you might hear is, I'm not being fed. That's one of the reasons why people will leave churches. I'm not being fed. But understand that I'm talking, I'm, I'm identifying myself with pastors, and I'm saying I'm part of the problem. 
as pastors. We are part of the problem in that we've, we've actually fed into a system that, that creates consumerism and people saying, well, I'm not getting fed, as opposed to people actually saying, I am a world changer. So when the church becomes what the church is supposed to be, you ought to be in there knowing you are a world changer. Come on. (laughs) This is just good. And for all you picture takers out there, because I know you're out there. Hey, it's way too small, but it's all on one on one slide. And and this is not an exhaustive list by any means. This is just all this was me sitting with the Lord saying, God, how could I explain kind of unfortunately where things have come to and how much how far we've gotten away from what your intention was. But but we're gonna we're gonna keep unwrapping all of this. I I believe this this new year, this is what I believe. I believe that we're uh, we, we've spent a lot of time talking about intimacy with Jesus. That is not going to change. That is such a huge part of what we're alive for. I believe this year we're going to see more intimacy with Jesus than we ever have. We're going to experience more intimacy with Jesus than we ever have. I know when I when I went through that 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 teaching series um, in December, early December, on you know a, a experiencing Christ within you from a lot of it from Madame Guillaume's book. Um, experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ. Uh, for many of you, you, you talked about this was a huge, uh, hugely important to you, and it got you, either it caused you to um, connect with Jesus in a way you never had before, or it brought you back to that deep first love again. So, so that's not going to change. We're going to keep going deep with Jesus. That's, this is just who we are. And in the midst of that, we are going to be, this is a year where we're going to be more Light, more, uh, more aware of what we carry and why we're alive than ever before, and we're going to be more courageous to release it. We are. This is that year. It, it's the Lord's grace is on it. He's doing it, and he's and he's not okay with with the uh, all of his children that don't know him. He's not okay with that, and so he's getting he's getting us connected deeper to his heart so that. We are so willingly able and ready to go and be Jesus to other people and go love on them. This is going to be an amazing year. I really believe that. So what's our part? You might, you might say, great, cool, what do I do? Well, how about this one from Ephesians 2.10? For we are God's handiwork, his poem, poema in Greek, which you can see the word poem, right? You're his... His handiwork, his masterpiece, his poem. That's what that word means. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we can never get to the place where we say, well, it's just me and Jesus, and as long as I'm deep with him, that's good, I'm cool. Um, That is the most important thing, don't get me wrong. But you are actually created already ahead of time to do things that are going to represent the Father Jesus, Holy Spirit to other people. Now the question is, what are those things? I'm going to get really practical for a minute. Because a lot of times we just, um, a lot of times we can get stuck because we're, we're saying, well, I'm not sure what those things are. It could be this and it could be that and it could be this. Or I don't know. And so we pray and we say, Lord, show me what I'm alive for. Well, I want to get to the really simple things. We already said you're alive to love. Hey, 
You're alive to love. Hey. Okay. Love looks like something. Hey. It helps people. It sees the treasures in people. So do something is a key. Keep doing something is a key. And But also... If it's true that he's already placed, I'm just going to, for the sake of argument, I'm going to say there's three things right in here, just because it's easier than saying five. Okay, there's three things in me. There's things inside of me that he's already placed in me to do. What if, I'm going to say what if, what if our free will is a really big deal to God, which it is, and he already put things in us, and he says to us, pick one. And once we do, he says, oh, good, that's the one I wanted to do. Let's go do that. And then you're done with that. You're like, well, what do I do? He says, pick one. Free will. I've already put it in you. You're like, well, how do I know what he's put in me? Passions, desires. I'm not saying everything we do is super wahoo fun, but I am saying there's certain, whether it's, whether, uh, there's certain things he's put inside of you that are going to just get you a little bit more fired up than other things. Do it. Do those things. Do it with him. Again, a lot of times we have this big grandiose idea as well. If I can't, you know, feed 500 people in a, you know, on Thanksgiving like I want to do, then I guess I guess I can't do it. No, just take a step. Just just go out and meet one person and buy them a meal, and sit with them and see how that goes. And God says, "Good job, you did something. You picked something." So so here you go. It's the beginning of a new year, and so I'm saying you got a lot of dreams inside of you. Pick something. Take some steps. I, I, along with you, I can absolutely be in that place where, where at times where I go, ah, I just don't know what to do. Or, you know, I th- you can go day after day after day just thinking about them and thinking about them and thinking about them. And God says, just come on. Come on. Go do it. All right? Okay. So there's one thing. What do we do? Just pick something of what he's already placed inside of you. Pass that one and go to this one. Here's, here's a verse of what you can do. Commit your path to the eternal. The, the, uh, voice, the voice translation uh, often calls God the eternal. That's why it says that. So commit your path to the eternal and let him direct you. You're committing him, committing your path to him. Put your confidence, your trust in him, and he will follow through with you. He will spread out righteousness. I'm going to go back to that right there. For you as a sunrise spreads radiance over the land. He will deliver justice for you into the light of the high sun. I read that as I was reading that this week. If you never do this, just get used to If something intrigues you, just start discovering more about it. The internet is amazing, you know? And so the whole thing, he will spread out righteousness. It's not that I've never looked up the word righteousness, but I sure haven't looked it up in a while. And so it wasn't fresh in my mind. I'm like, what does that even mean? He will spread out righteousness for you? And so I started looking it up in the Hebrew, what the Hebrew word means, not not reading in Hebrew. I'm looking at in English what the Hebrew means. And um, and and suddenly, as I as I'm seeing this whole picture. Uh, it was very clear that, that righteousness does not mean like being morally upright, which is what we often think of righteousness as. But he will spread out his morally uprightness. Like, what does that mean? Actually, um, it, it's talking about a path that he sets out for us to go from 
one green pasture to another green pasture, from one watering hole to another watering hole. Because you have to not only think about what the word means, but who it was being said to. In other words, they had paths that they constantly went on at different seasons of their life, different times of the year. He's like, stay on that path. That's the path I'm going to light up for you as a sunrise spreads radiance over the land. Isn't that good? So what's our part is to trust his heart is that good. Because if we won't trust him, we're not going to step out and do, do much. We're not going to represent his heart well. I'm going to let you think about that one for a minute. Trust is a big issue, isn't it? It's a really big issue. And you know he knows that. So even in the times, if you don't trust him in certain areas, just talk to him about it. <laughs> I know Bill earlier said, you know, just, or no, it was Todd in the midst of worship said, some of you just need to say it even if you're not feeling it. I trust you. I agree with that. I agree that sometimes we say things when we're not feeling it, and that helps. But I'm also telling you, he's a really good father. And if there's certain areas that you have a hard time trusting him in, just talk to him about it. Just talk to him. Papa, show me, show me your faithfulness in this area. I'm having a hard time. He says, yeah, I know. Thanks for being real. And um, this is really all I had to share tonight. Was that a record of sorts? That was like a half an hour. Um, Because I also wanted, if someone could let our children know that in a couple minutes we're going to be doing the fire tunnel. What's that? Oh, yeah, but if you let them know, that'd be awesome. Um, We're going to do something. We're going to do two things. We're going to... Uh, first make some declarations um, because I really believe in them. So I'm going to talk about it for a second, but we're going to do some declarations and then we're going to do, do a tunnel of sorts. I say fire tunnel, but it's actually a slightly different tunnel. Um, declarations, are, are, I believe, are really important. Um, things happen in the kingdom because of our agreement with the Father. It is because of his, you know, he, he, God is the one who, uh, who is the originator of all good things. I get that. He blesses. There's a scripture that says, you know, he, sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous, those kinds of things. He blesses people because he loves people. That's very true. And there's also certain blessings that are in store for those who will actually pursue him, want him, and agree with him. And there are ways in which, if you think about us being made in the image of God, when he spoke, things were created. And over and over again, Scripture makes it really clear that our words are a really big deal, especially what we speak out of our mouth. And science is starting to prove, just what I said earlier, that even from our vocal cords, there's now colors associated with it. There's, you know, there's amazing things they're finding out about sound and about how multifaceted it is. We're just hearing something in our ears, and there's so much more going on. You know, they've done studies of, you know, of, of crystal water droplets, those that are around good words and those that are being cursed at, and they, they turn out entirely different. Like the ones being cursed at are all these deformed crystals at the end. Isn't that wild? Our words are huge. So that's why I like declaring, and because it's a new year, I just think it's extra important that we're just setting the tone for, for this new year. So, I would like to ask you to stand, and we're going to agree together. 
And I, uh, at the end, there's three slides that are mostly just uh, declarations about this year. And the fourth slide is going to be a prayer based on that last psalm that we just read about trusting God for this year. So, here we go. This year, I experienced the Father's tender love, the grace and mercy of Jesus, and the intimacy and power of the Holy Spirit in greater measure than ever before. This year, I learned to rest in the Lord, listen to his voice, and enjoy the journey more. This year, I discover with greater clarity my identity and infinite value as God's favored child and what I'm alive to release for the benefit of others. This year, I live out of my identity in Christ to show the love and power of Jesus wherever I go. This year, I unapologetically receive God's superabundant grace and favor. I expect an increase of influence in order to shine brightly and bring hope to the world. This year, I courageously take intentional steps towards the dreams God has placed in my heart. This year, I love God well, I love myself well, and I love others well because love always wins. And here's the prayer. Father, I commit my path to you and I ask you to direct my ways. I trust you. As we walk together, you will illuminate the way because you are a good, good father. Amen.